0: Welcome to the Dear Doc Podcast, where we will discuss the business of running a dental practice with a panel of experts. Now, your host, Dr. Christopher Hoffpower. Hey guys, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Dear Doc Podcast. This is Doc Hoffpower, and I'm coming to you from my Studio here in Alvin, Texas. I'm joined again by the young, lovely, and brilliant <laughs> Kenzie Broxson, which by the way, Kenzie is spelled with a Z. I spelled yeah. it wrong everywhere I posted <laughs> her name the last time she was on. So uh, she has come on today to address uh, a couple of letters, a couple of posts that I sent to her. Uh, that she thought perhaps we could uh, shed some light on. Now, uh, some of these are not Dear Doc letters, but I'm going to treat them all as if they were. So, let's begin. Dear Doc, United Concordia has been sending payments to my previous practice that I was an associate with, and they have been cashing it. I have spent several letters to UC to purge the previous workplaces, and they refuse to do it, saying that it has to come from the office. Can you help me, please? Well, Kenzie... Can we help this, uh, this young doctor?
1: Yeah, so on that one, um, whenever you change locations um, on your NPI, you need to go in and change the primary address in there because if it's at a previous location and the insurance company looks back at your NPI, then they're going to see that your primary practice location is the previous one that you were at. So you just change that. It's really easy, and then you just submit the application, and it changes it. Um, you can have multiple locations on there, but the most important thing is just the primary one. And then my other thing to add to that is the tax ID on the ADA claim form and then also the billing NPI on the ADA claim form. So if you're an associate and you're working in another doctor's office, there's probably a billing NPI cause it's a group okay. NPI. And then you also have your personal NPI, which would be the rendering provider NPI. So if on the ADA claim form, The tax ID is in there in the right spot for the billing information for the current office that you're at. And then if the billing MPI is in um, the lower section of the ADA claim form and it's the office's billing MPI, then there should be no reason that the insurance would process under your other locations. So my argument to the insurance company on that, um, I would call them and say, hey, um, what tax ID is on that claim form and then have them repeat it back and then say, okay, what address is associated with that tax ID? Have them repeat it back and then say, okay, exactly. You need to send the payment to the tax ID that was on the claim form. That's an error on your part. doesn't matter if the other office cashed it. They made an error and they have to make right with it. So the insurance company loses money rather than the provider. So the
0: insurance company legally should be going after the first office and paying this doctor immediately. Is, is, yeah. is your opinion on this. You know, yes. Can you walk us step-by-step step on how they're going to change that address associated with their MPI? Where do they go to do that, Kenzie?
1: Um, I believe it's the NPPAS website and you'll have a login that you initially created um, whenever you get out of dental school. I'm
0: sure they lost that. I know I lost that. Probably.
1: Probably, and it's super easy. I'm pretty sure you just put in your social, your name. Um, if you can't think, of your email that you previously associated with then you can put in like your social your date of birth and your name um and all that good stuff and then they'll send you a new link to get a new password and things like that and they'll tell you what your email is so you can get your email from it and then you can um have them you can update your password
0: excellent thank you and so so i think that's a great way of attacking this problem and um the number one thing you always tell me whenever we're talking about this is if doctors would just not get emotional, and not lose their head, a lot of this stuff is easy. Yeah. So thank you for helping us to, to get them to thinking that way. Yes. Now, you and I talked a lot about this and I said, what is the worst insurance company out there? And what did you say <laughs> without missing a beat?
1: United Concordia.
0: <laughs> okay. And now you, And then you came back because you're always so sweet about everything. You came back and you're like, but they have a really nice website.
1: And they do. They have a lot of information on their website. Like eligibility is great whenever you're checking out Concordia, but their fees are not the greatest. And then their um, where it spreads to each location is not the greatest either.
0: Yeah, they, they should just have eligibility. No one's eligible for anything. And when they are, we pay half.
1: We pay half. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. So what I did, uh, and I didn't really – I didn't really uh, tell you I was going to do this to you before, like right before we got on the air. I actually yeah. went and I found several complaints about United Concordia. Yeah. I figured we would make this the United Concordia, wait, what did you say they do? They,
1: they deny. No,
0: you said they suck. Oh, they
1: suck.
0: So, <laughs> well, I don't want to say that on the air. <laughs> I know, but I'll, I'll say it anytime. So this is the United Concordia sucks episode. Uh, with Kenzie Broxton. So, Kenzie, the next one um, I had that came up here was United Concordia did an audit on my office recently. They are saying that they overpaid for simple fillings with OB and OL surfaces due to no radiographic evidence. Since when do small cavities have to be proved with radiographic evidence? This is BS to me. I suppose I'll just take an intraoral picture of every tooth. Does anyone have an appeal?
1: On that one, um, you typically don't have to have radiographic images for fillings, but if they're doing an audit and they request them, it's good to have them anyways. You should have your full mouth series anyways when they become an established patient. Um, And if the fillings are so horrible, just take photos anyways just to have it. But on that piece of it, um, I would just ask the insurance first why they need the information and if they're doing an audit, then they do have the right to open up more information that they need, but they don't need accounting information. They just need the basics, which is just the x-rays. Anytime they ask for clinical notes, I don't send clinical notes because they don't need all the clinical notes. I'll just write you the narrative of what you need because you don't need to read the whole thing. So just give them enough to keep them satisfied, but don't give them everything because they don't need everything. So that
0: goes contrary to what a lot of dental consultants say but you obviously do this every single day and teach other people how to do it. Um, They'll say, just drown them with information. Send them everything you got. And you're saying, no. No. Just tell them, keep them in the dark and feed them bullshit, just like mushrooms.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just
0: just give them what they they need and that's it.
1: You always want to be the card holder because if they come back with something else, you can say, let me play another card. I have something else for you. But if you give all your information at once, then you kind of you played all your cards and then you're just done.
0: And you're done. I, yeah. I, I love that. And that's, I love that analogy too. Um, so in this instance, he's saying that they didn't show radiographically. Uh, you know, they don't ever show radiographically. Right. On the, on the buckle pit. So
1: right. I, I think that's. And then that, I would just explain clinically from the doctor's perspective, have the doctor write up, well, you can't see it on the x-ray. This is what I see in the mouth. Right. And now, then whenever, see what they say.
0: Now, whenever we were talking about this stuff, you said the most important thing isn't who was right, who was wrong. The most important thing is just doing what? Finding a solution. Right. So if you were in this office, what policy would you implement to make sure this never happens again?
1: Honestly, there's not much that you can really implement in this situation because the insurance just did a random audit. So the only thing that I would say is just watch the treatment that you're doing and whenever you are sending fillings, if you think that it may be a problem and that's going to probably come from the doctor's perspective, just take a picture.
0: picture. And
1: if you have the photos, then you have the documentation and it's fine. And also put a little, um, this is kind of a solution, put a diagnosis in each of your notes. Like if you're doing fillings, just put DX and then put, Yep. why you're doing these fillings and then the person who is taking care of this claim doesn't even have to bother you. They don't have to ask you. They can just go look at your notes and say, oh, this is a diagnosis. This is why Absolutely. they did it. And yes. by the
0: person taking care okay. of the claim, you mean the people in the office. Um, yes. <laughs> so, so far as that goes, um, what I do is on initial exam and every other exam, I actually have findings mm-hmm. and my hygienist is responsible for writing down findings for every single tooth yes. and a diagnosis. Yes. So, um, I, I'm not sure if that's the most elegant way of doing it, but it it works for me.
1: It helps a lot. I would say I've seen it help a lot of doctors. If you just write down the diagnosis, take X-rays and photos, you can never have too many.
0: Absolutely. Okay. So uh, moving along, uh, we come to oh yeah, this is a this is a great one. And these particular procedures, I I, I know I hear a lot about. In fact, I think I found three letters involving SRPs. Yeah. Oh. Um, This doc says, we have been having all SRP rejections with United Concordia. When I talked to the advisor, he said the patient does not need root planning and only needs subgingival scaling. There are patients who hadn't been to the dentist in 8 to 10 years and still got rejections. I want to know if any narrative has helped anyone to get approval. Now, to my knowledge, this is not a narrative issue. This is a lack of evidence issue. And this is something you and I talked about off camera. Yeah. What should they be seeing? If you want to get paid every time you do an SRP, every single time.
1: Clinical attachment you, loss.
0: Clinical, clinical mm-hmm. attachment loss. Every single mm-hmm. time. Folks, you can't just have your, your hygienist probe depths. Right. You have to check the mucogingival junction to the CEJ. If you mm-hmm. don't have that information in there, then they, can, they can't diagnose, as we all know, but right. they can make a claim based upon lack of bone loss in your bite wings. Yep. Now. Bone loss is only one of the very, very many things that go into the diagnosis of periodontal disease. Mm-hmm. So Kenzie, if you have c- cows on every single tooth, are you going to get a rejection? No. What else do you need? If you want uh, to full, get them the whole shebang.
1: Full mouth series. You need a full mouth series. How recent? The whole past three years. Okay. And then um, also the whole perio chart, just in the whole perio chart the gingival margin number, the CAL, which adds up all to CAL. So you'll have that obviously anyways. Um, And then also good narratives is moderate um, to severe um, sub and super calc, moderate plaque or generalized periodontal disease, um, vertical horizontal bone loss, um, bleeding throughout, things like that are key terms that the insurance company usually processes really easily. Excellent. If, they, what, if they have it, because obviously the narrative goes specific to each patient. right? So make sure that you're not just using those terms and it didn't actually happen. Whenever you do see that, use those terms.
0: And, and guys, if you're seeing this happen, um, obviously our website is not, or our, our Facebook page is not highly clinical, but this podcast will be much more clinical. If you see subgenital calculus, but your probing depths are not reflecting that, you need to do a full mouth debridement in most cases in my office. And Kenzie, you can tell me your opinions on that because you're the one who worries about getting paid. I just worry about getting, yes. getting this yes. fixed.
1: Yes. So,
0: and, and so what are, what are your opinions there? I mean, do they know a, they, have, they have perio. They can see the right. calculus on the x-rays. They can see the bone loss.
1: Do a full mouth debridement and then have them come back for complete exam because you can't do any exams on the day yeah, with full mouth absolutely. debridement. And that's, that's um, actually
0: key in the descriptor. Yes. Uh, there's, there's, there's how many parts to a dental code now? What do you mean? Oh, I'm picking on you about your PK performance program. One oh. of the first sections says, there are three parts to a dental code. <laughs>
1: descriptor. Yeah. The descriptor, the nomenclature.
0: <laughs> right. So guys, in the descriptor for the full mouth debridement code, it specifically states that you can't make an exam.
1: Say so that.
0: you can't make an exam. And if you take, good,
1: you take good photos, they'll cover the full mouth debridement and then just bring them back, complete exam, and you can still do scaling in the future
0: fantastic. Are there any companies to be aware of whenever it comes to that, that if they cover the full mouth debridement, they won't cover the SRPs? Nope.
1: Okay. I actually argued with one the other day um, because they were trying to say, well, we did a full mouth debridement and obviously sometimes- once in
0: a lifetime benefit? Was it Delta? Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And uh, the rep on the phone, they obviously don't know clinical sometimes. And I'm like, if you look at those photos, how can you tell me that you want us to do scaling that day. We can't, we, you want us to do an exam, the same day right. as scaling. You don't want to film out the right, you know, you can't even see anything. And she was like, um, well, and I'm like, exactly. So you
0: got them to pay twice for a once in a lifetime code.
1: Yeah. I love it.
0: <laughs> All right. So anyway, let's see here. That deals with our SRPs. Now, um, let's see here. I just received a letter from who? United you know, Concordia. I'm in California. If I'm an, an out-of-network provider, is United Cal- uh, Concordia able to request clinical records, radiographs, charting, and ledgers for a large group of patients? I would understand if we were contracted and in-network with them. So I I'm, believe the answer is unfortunately yes. Is that correct? Because yeah. They can audit you at any point. Yeah, they can audit you.
1: Yeah, they can audit you at any point. I would just call the insurance and ask why and just say I'm just curious as to why don't get offensive because if you get on the offense and they're like are you hiding something exactly um, and just say I'm just curious as to why you want this information and then they don't need the ledger there's no point in having the ledger because they can see the fees that you're submitting now if they think that you're doing something fraudulent because you've been red flagged because maybe Actually, there's things
0: Actually Kenzie I think I got one here that I'm I'm going to disagree with you on they can request the ledger if they have a most favored nations clause in their contract.
1: Gotcha.
0: You, you know, know what I'm talking about? Because yeah. the most favored nations, nations clause, when you sign that, well, you know, he's not a network. Yeah. So they know they can't request the ledger at all. But if you are in network, they can request your ledger because the, the uh, most favored nation clause, the MFN, yeah. specifically says that they have the right to request that and you signed the contract. So you actually gave them a right they didn't have.
1: Yeah, that's uh, unfortunate.
0: Yeah. Well, I know, see, I know all of your guys. Uh, you you help a lot of in network docs, but the, all of the guys yeah. you're working with now are or out of network, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. So um, let's take a look here. Uh, received a letter. Okay, this is another received a letter. Uh, we just received a letter from United Concordia stating that any treatment over $750 will now require pre-authorization or claims will be denied. Has anyone else received something similar to
1: this? What BS? I have seen that come across here recently, and I see it more with like the government plans.
0: Right, the not, the ERISA plans.
1: Mm-hmm. And just send the pre-authorization if that's what they're saying they want. If they're going to deny it, tell the patient, unfortunately, your insurance... Um, Says that we have to send a pre authorization before you can have your treatment done. And maybe the patient can call the insurance company, and get on to them or their employer, however it's set right. up, um, and then just send it because you're kind of held to their standard.
0: So let's talk back. about pre authorizations. Now, you know that in the state of Texas, yes. we're making some changes, baby. Yeah. So, and I, I know that one of the first things we talked about was that, that new yeah. bill going through, and you were excited yeah. about it. So, unfortunately, that doesn't affect ERISA plans. Now, right. are there ways that you can get pre-authorizations moved along more quickly? One of the problems is you get a patient who comes in who's in pain. Well, yeah. oh, I'm sorry you have to stay in pain because I have to pre-authorize the treatment, which, of course, is okay. not a guarantee of payment.
1: Coverage.
0: <laughs> so, I, I know you're very specific on your words. She, <laughs> I should have said coverage. She's right.
1: I, so, I don't prefer to even use pre-authorizations ever. I always tell the patients that they're basically useless because they are. It's always oh, an estimate.
0: Is there a way of um, I, using your Kinsey magic whenever you're talking to these people on the phone of getting those pre-authorizations moved faster though? Like let's say you have a patient in pain. Um, have you have you ever done anything like that before?
1: Honestly, I don't send pre-authorizations for patients in pain because I, I, I know I can get the money. Maybe that's taken Maybe I'm taking too much pride in that, but I know if they're going to deny it, I'm going to write an appeal and I'm going to get them to pay for you're it. Gonna, no you're going to get
0: them to pay, what, pay no matter what. Yeah. All right. That's fair. That is fair. Do me a favor. Try doing that to them though just to see if it'll push through them. We can, we can update them. All right? Got it. Okay. So, another one. Let's see here. Hi. I ran to a situation with an SRP that was denied by United Concordia. Surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. I appealed and they denied again. But in the EOB, it said the patient liability was zero. Does that mean that I am not allowed to charge the patient anything? Now, was that a denial or was that a disallowal? Is my yeah,
1: opinion. if it was a disallow, then yeah, you can't right. charge the patient. I would have to see the EOB to see the exact reason code to see why right. they would why they would do that.
0: So, it, in, in to my knowledge, but uh, sometimes also go ahead.
1: Uh, sometimes they're just requesting additional information if they say the patient owes zero because they're just saying. Right now, we're requesting additional information, periocharting, full mouth series, blah, blah, blah. Patient right. owes zero, doctor can't bill, because it's still in processing. So that can be the situation too. Maybe they're requesting more information. I don't know.
0: Okay, fantastic. And um, the last one we're going to cover today. Oh, no, actually, there's two more. Um, here's another narrative question. I think we have the right person on this podcast for that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The ever so generous United Concordia has denied a scaling root cleaning because of lack of attachment. The patient's pockets are fives and sixes radiographic calculus, no profi in 10 years. What would you reply back with?
1: Did I they initially I, send that narrative?
0: There you go. So
1: because if you look at the, I would come back with read the ADA code because the ADA code specifically states, um, how much uh, the clinical attachment loss that they have to have right. in order to have SRP. So I would Absolutely. say you need to look at the ADA code.
0: Right, and, and just looking at the diagnosis itself, which by the way, that's an, an entirely different podcast that we'll cover is all of the new rules and regulations about actually diagnosing periodontal disease and yeah. um, how they will affect your claims because yeah. a lot of that is going to be coming down the pipe pretty soon for you guys. Um, all right, so next question has anyone had issues with United Concordia? I saved that one for last in this long line just because, you know, it made me smile. Um, <laughs> let me see. Any predetermination that we send takes several months, and several of them are rejected, especially for SRPs. I had a 4341 denied, a clear SRP case that was completed and submitted, um, did not do a pre-D since it was straightforward. They say dental experts determine no necessity, even after a narrative and pictures, any suggestions on how to fight them. So let's uh, assume that they sent probing depths, because that's a no-brainer. It should have been said to begin right. with, right? So um, right. you just finished saying, I don't send no pre-D. that perhaps useless. You know what? I just realized I'm going to have to bleep out a couple of words in this so that we can get on Apple. <laughs> oh, well. So. What is is your response to that one, Kenzie?
1: Um, I'd like to see, again, what the EOB says, and I'd like to know what the narrative said initially because it all – I mean, if you basically clearly stated that they needed SRP, they would have no reason to deny it. So I'd want to see what their narrative was, what photos they're talking about, if they sent the full mouth series, um, if they sent the full perio charting, how long ago it was. because in that case, there should be no reason for the denial unless they absolutely don't need SRP.
0: Okay. If that makes right. sense. So here is, uh, this is the end of our podcast episode for the day. And um, I always ask you to take a couple minutes and and give some just real quick bullet points some tricks that people can implement Monday when they go back to the office mm-hmm. uh, and and do a little bit better with insurance. And one of them obviously is to write better narratives. So. Yeah. Um,
1: a couple of things, I would make sure the initial narrative has all of the key words in the diagnosis that's needed. And then also sometimes with your electronic claims processor, sometimes there's error messages that'll come across and if there wasn't a good connection. Then maybe the claim had to be printed and mailed, and sometimes all your information gets lost. And that actually, so I have had a couple times where I have sent maybe an SRP, and the insurance company is saying I don't have the additional information, and you think they do, and they're denying it because they don't have it. It could be a connection error. So if you have that problem, yeah, just resend it. Send it through the mail. I always send it three ways: mail, fax, which you can't see extras on fax, but mail, fax, and send it electronically again. Um, because sometimes they don't initially get the information that you sent and there's just a huge miscommunication on that piece. So a lot of times I call the insurance and I'll ask them, Hey, what do you have? What information do you have? And what are you needing? Because I sent all of this initially and I need to know exactly what's missing right. on your end. And sometimes, um, with the electronic claims processing, sometimes if you have like, um, if you have remote light or it used to be TASIA, Sometimes it goes straight to Tasia and then it goes or remote light now, and then it'll go to the insurance company. And so sometimes if you get stuck in that holding tank with remote light and then it gets miss submitted to the insurance company. It doesn't translate process or it doesn't process correctly either with the narrative. Right. So that could be some things that are happening. Um, and then also I would just say, make sure you're taking the FMX, sending the FMX, doing the proper period charting, um, and then writing the proper narrative and that should get you paid pretty quickly.
0: Fantastic. I have a trick myself, if you don't mind. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I know I'm right. So, um, if you send a Pano with an FMX, you will almost always get it denied. That's because there's actually an automatic screener set up in the electronic clearinghouse. If, however, you send two separate claims, one which has the Pano and one which has the FMX, you almost always get paid. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Hope I made you guys some money.
1: That's
0: All right, guys. Thank you for joining us on the Dear Doc Podcast. And thank you for wasting yet another 30 minutes of your life listening to the sound of my voice. I hope you have a fantastic week and we'll see you again in the next episode. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Dear Doc Podcast. Your source for the business and legal questions associated with your dental practice. Don't forget to subscribe to the Dear Doc Podcast on all major platforms.